Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Are you ready? What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This, indeed you are, Paul, is... It's in my hand, Fan Effect. Hi, I'm Andy Farnsworth from KSL News Radio and KSL's Fan Effect Podcast. I'm also the movies and pop culture guy for KSL 5 Today, and this is my review of Reminiscence from Warner Brothers Pictures. The term film noir, for those unfamiliar, refers to a certain type of stylized Hollywood movie originating in the black and white era of film, specifically the 1940s and 1950s. It was always a crime drama of some type, and its hallmarks typically included a cynical private detective, corrupt cops, a femme fatale, flashbacks, double crosses, betrayals, and perhaps most famously, a voiceover narration. Well, even though it's 2021, the new movie Reminiscence, starring Hugh Jackman, Tandy Newton, and Rebecca Ferguson, is a futuristic science fiction version of film noir, and it checks off every one of those boxes. In Reminiscence, which is set an unspecified number of years in the future, Hugh Jackman plays Nick Bannister, a veteran of a border war who now lives on the fringes of society in the partially sunken city of Miami. Nick and his war buddy Watts, played by Tandy Newton, run a business where people pay them to use a specialized machine called a reminiscence tank that has the ability to access their memories and display 3D holograms of them for people to see. Imagine something like a machine version of a pensive from Harry Potter. People usually come to Nick to relive some cherished memory since the experience feels so realistic to them or for help recalling important memories they've forgotten. So into this setting walks May, played by Rebecca Ferguson. May just needs help remembering where she lost her keys. But as Nick walks her through her memories, a simple case of lost and found turns into a dangerous obsession. When May disappears, Nick has to fight his way through a violent conspiracy to find out the truth behind it and ultimately answer the question, how far would you go to hold on to the ones you love? Now, I don't want to say anything more about the plot because I knew almost nothing about this movie before I watched it, other than it had my two favorite actors from The Greatest Showman, Jackman and Ferguson. And I actually think that worked to my advantage as I was able to just take the ride on which writer and first-time director Lisa Joy puts you. Jackman and Ferguson were outstanding as they typically are. Jackman is the jaded, world-weary Nick who becomes obsessive after he lets his guard down and lets May in. Ferguson is May, a character who's different based on people's memories of her. Innocent one moment, a sultry seductress in another, helpless at times, cunning and meticulous at others. She even sings on stage again, like she did in Greatest Showman, and they even used her actual voice this time. I mentioned that Reminiscence is a modern film noir, but it also flips the noir style on its head. In this future, the days are so hot that people have become nocturnal, sleeping at day and being active at night. That means as you watch the movie, you have to imagine that things happening in daylight would have happened at night in a classic noir film and vice versa. It's almost like watching through a metaphoric film negative or a mirror. Everything is reversed, but it's only in your head. I just loved how engaging the story was. I wanted to know what happened next. Not only that, it was also a well-written mystery. I enjoyed the twists and callbacks to earlier moments in the film. If you liked Knives Out for its mystery tale, Reminiscence should be on your radar too. 
I also appreciate it for its originality. This was not adapted from a novel or any previous book or film. Lisa Joy, who is also the co-creator of HBO's Westworld, said she wrote most of Reminiscence's story at a crossroads of past and future in her life. She was pregnant with her first child, then found out that her beloved grandfather had died. Now, it's perhaps those feeling, fresh feelings of trying to remember him while also looking ahead to her future with her daughter that helped her to create the fascinating questions the film asks you to ponder, such as, why do we chase memories and moments from the past so fiercely sometimes? Is it dangerous to spend too much time in your own memories? And what things are you right in front of you that you're missing out on if you're always looking back? To me, this is a perfect example of the power of cinema to tell a story. Now, there are some warnings I should give. Reminiscence is rated PG-13 for strong violence, drug material throughout, sexual content, and some strong language. Some of the violence is pretty intense at times, including a scene where one character tortures another. There is sensuality, but no nudity. However, I'd heed the warnings on this one and keep it to age 13 and up. The runtime is a reasonable one hour and 55 minutes. If you can't tell, I loved Reminiscence. I give it three and a half out of four stars. It is artful. It is original. It is a highly enjoyable neo-noir mystery thriller with two gorgeous, talented, and charismatic leads. It also has one of the coolest and most unique emotional denouements since maybe the movie Ghost 30 years ago. I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised there's not more publicity from Warner Brothers surrounding this movie because I think it's worth promoting. In fact, I'm actually starting to worry that I'm building this movie up for you so much that it could never measure up to you when you actually see it. I hope that's not the case and that you enjoy it as much as I did. Thankfully, if you do want to see Reminiscence, you have options. It's playing in theaters nationwide, but it's also available to stream for HBO Max subscribers until September 20th. HBO Max will cost you $15 a month for a subscription if you don't already have HBO as part of your cable or satellite package. You can't go wrong either way, but it does look good on the big screen. And this is my review of the action thriller movie The Protégé from Lionsgate. A fun type of movie trope is the game of cat and mouse. One person, usually someone with power and resources, is pursuing a target who must survive by being cunning and staying one step ahead. In The Protégé, a stylish action thriller revenge movie from the people who made John Wick, we get a game of cat and mouse, yes, but who is the cat and who is the mouse? That goes back and forth throughout the film. In The Protégé, Anna, played by Maggie Q, is rescued from Vietnam as a child by the legendary assassin Moody, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Moody spends the next three decades teaching Anna everything she needs to know about trust and survival and helps shape her into the world's most skilled contract killer. But when Moody is brutally killed himself, Anna vows revenge and begins the hunt for those responsible. As she progresses, she becomes entangled with an enigmatic and skilled professional killer in his own right named Michael Rembrandt, played by Michael Keaton. His attraction to Anna goes way beyond cat and mouse, so when, they're, uh, when eventually their confrontation turns deadly, Anna will have to reconcile her own past if she's going to finish out what she set out to do. The Protégé was directed by Martin Campbell, the guy who rebooted the James Bond franchise with Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. Here, he's not restrained by a PG-13 rating, so he can let loose with bloody and violent action set pieces and well-choreographed fight scenes. I was really impressed with Maggie Q. I'd seen her before in Mission Impossible 3, Live Free or Die Hard, and the Divergent films, but she was never the main character around whom the entire movie was built. She has played the main characters on TV shows, most notably Designated Survivor and Nikita, where she also played a spy assassin, so she undoubtedly was prepared for this role. 
Her character Anna had to, according to the director, navigate a storm of emotional chaos while unleashing physical chaos on those who threaten her or the people she loves. And I'd say she nailed that pretty well. It also doesn't hurt that she's absolutely gorgeous on top of her talent for physical action. She did nearly all of her stunts herself. It was good to see uh, Michael Keaton back in action, too. He plays rival killer Rembrandt with the relaxed charm he's famous for as he continues a game of one-upmanship with Anna, his character being one of the few people who can relate to her on levels that other people can't. At the same time, he also looks like he's still got plenty of juice left in the tank for his no-holds-barred action scenes. That's a good sign considering we're supposed to see him reprise his role as Batman in the upcoming Flash movie. Now, as for warnings, there are a lot of them. The protégés rated R for strong and bloody violence, including a couple of torture scenes, strong language, and liberal use of the F-word. I mean, the movie has Samuel L. Jackson in it, after all. Some sexual references and brief nudity. This is not a movie for kids or family. But the weakest part of the movie for me was the convoluted plot. Even though some character motivations were finally explained towards the end, the story just didn't flow well enough to keep me engaged with it. I didn't care by the end about the big bad guy or why he did what he did. It was almost a distraction from the more interesting story going on between Maggie Q and Michael Keaton's characters. And even their story resolution was confusing and dissatisfying. At least it's not too long, though. The runtime clocks in at one hour and 49 minutes. So for me, the protege just didn't have enough to make make me give it a super positive recommendation. I found it to be a decent action thriller that just couldn't quite overcome its convoluted plot and gruesome violence. I give the movie a generous two and a half out of four stars. It's more of a two-star movie for me, but I give it an extra half star just because I like Maggie Q so much in it. And this is my review of Paw Patrol the Movie from Paramount Pictures Animation. The most successful feature-length movies aimed at children always take into account that their parents have to watch the movie, too, particularly if it's in theaters. Now, I have six kids, so I've seen a lot of kids' movies in my days, and the ones that I've liked best are the ones that are kid-oriented, but also have something to keep the parents interested. It also helps if there's a good message rolled in there that isn't muddled up by a bunch of immature potty jokes. Thankfully, Paw Patrol the movie does a pretty good job of this. Now, the movie, if you're not familiar, is based on the kids' cartoon Paw Patrol, which has been running for nine seasons on Nickelodeon. Now, the show focuses on a young boy named Ryder and his crew of search-and-rescue dogs that call themselves the Paw Patrol. Each dog has a specific set of skills, such as a police officer, a firefighter, construction worker, a pilot, a a garbage man slash recycler, and, like, a Coast Guard, maybe? Anyway, their dog houses transform into customized vehicles for their missions, and they have specialized backpacks with tools related to their jobs. For the movie version, the team moves from their Adventure Bay location to Adventure City, a big downtown metropolis where the team somehow already has a giant Avengers Tower-like headquarters. The newly elected mayor of Adventure City, who we know is evil because he loves cats. This is a dog-centered show, after all. But Mayor Humdinger is evil in a completely non-threatening way. He just wants the city to be less boring. So he gets rid of boring things like museums and libraries and adds stuff like a roller coaster subway and a mayor's office atop the city's version of the Empire State Building. As you can tell from the description, all of this is harmless stuff, and it actually has a good message rolled into it about overcoming your fears and self-doubt. We learn that one of the pups was abandoned in the big city, and it affects his ability to do his rescue job. A new pup character named Liberty, who's a super fan of the Paw Patrol, is thrilled to help out and show them around town, but she worries they won't accept her if she's actually a part of the team. Now, I'm a big fan of parents talking with their kids about what they've watched 
And this movie will give plenty of positive opportunities for that. I also thought the voice cast was pretty decent. Joining members from the original series cast are Ian Armitage, Marci Martin, Yara Shahidi, Randall Park, Dax Shepard, Tyler Perry, Jimmy Kimmel. Even Kim Kardashian West makes a cameo. And it helps that this movie is a relatively brisk one hour and 25 minutes long. So even if you as a parent aren't that thrilled to be watching it, it doesn't take too long. It doesn't feel like it. Normally, I give warnings for a movie, but this one is rated G, and there is absolutely nothing offensive in it. As a parent, I appreciate that the filmmakers didn't stoop to potty humor like many kids' movies do. It's not the funniest kids' movie, but it is safe for even your youngest children. This is not a movie aimed at adults and kids, like, for example, Pixar typically does. It is aimed at the kids only. And when it's all said and done, that's why any adult will ever watch this movie, to be with their kids and to give them something they'll enjoy. Fans of the series will no doubt like Paw Patrol the movie. It's similar to the TV show that they've watched, but just a little longer and with better animation. There's no way for me to properly rate the movie on the scale I normally do, but I only have positive things to say about it, and I suppose I'd give it three out of four stars, kids stars. For those of you who do want to see the movie, you have two options. It is playing in theaters in wide release. It is also available on streaming at no extra charge for subscribers to Paramount Plus, formerly CBS All Access. Paramount Plus has subscription plans that start at $5 a month and not coincidentally also has the whole Paw Patrol cartoon series for kids to watch as well if they want. Hey, thanks for watching. I hope you and your family found this review helpful, and I invite you to check out my other in-depth reviews of movies and streaming TV shows on ksltv.com. I'll see you there. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.